Hello, this is the Untitled Film Project podcast, and this week we look at the classic Kristen Wiig film, Bridesmaids. I'm Jeremy K. Gover, co-host of the show, and I loved Bridesmaids as a comedy. As a film, it's nothing to write home about, nothing's going to change your life or anything, but I think that they captured so many real-life Tropes is probably the wrong word, but real-life things that happen that we can pretty much all identify with in some form or another, and I really love how they made it into a comedic package, and it was just, I loved it. And I'm Justin Bradford. This was actually my first time viewing Bridesmaids right before recording this episode, so me having it fresh after seeing so many gifts from this film and references to it, I'd never seen it before, so I appreciate it just like Gover as a comedic film. I think, if anything, it showed, think now it's over a decade old, it showed that Kristen Wiig could be a comedic lead as well, but it also shows if something could go wrong, it's going to go wrong. But I think what I did appreciate about the film, too, was about someone hitting rock bottom, what they can do to get back up on their feet, even if things keep going wrong. So I just, I, I love the interaction between all the different uh, supporting actresses as well as Kristen Wig uh, as well, too. And I think it really showed, if anything, too, why, if anything, because I know things have changed with oh, how some people view Melissa McCarthy in her roles, yep. of how as a supporting actress in those roles, Melissa McCarthy can so much shine by delivering some great comedic moments. Uh, and that's what I appreciated there, too, because I know things have changed. But in that film, Melissa McCarthy really shined whenever she was on 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 screen. But overall, it was a great movie in terms of comedy with Kristen Wiig. And anything could go wrong, could go wrong, but surrounded by a wedding. This is Jim, and this was my movie that I brought to the table because uh, I think this movie uh, holds up over time. I think this is one of the best cast movies. Uh, There are so many people fulfilling roles to the highest potential and beyond. Melissa McCarthy, I believe she got an Oscar nom for her supporting role, and she deserves it. She is so good, uh, and it's pre uh, all the stuff that we know Melissa McCarthy for. Uh, you've got Kristen Wiig. You've got the perfect Maya Rudolph, who I think is kind of like the every American, the every person. <laughs> you've got physical comedy. You've got embarrassing comedy. You've got such subtle comedy from Kristen Wiig especially. She mumbles some things under her breath in this film <laughs> in a way that I marvel at comedically. Because it's not all running through a cake. Sometimes it's just a look. Speaking and of, it's great. Speaking of cake, let's dive in. <laughs> so here we are in the chocolate fountain. <laughs> discussing bridesmaids. So, uh, yeah, one of the things that uh, stood out to you as somebody who saw this movie long after the hype, Justin Bradford... First of all, I didn't realize I was doing some research that this was Paul Feig's first major film. Yep. Yes. And then you think about all the films that followed that, The Heat, uh, Spy, Ghostbusters, uh, Simple Favor, Last Christmas, so so many different movies. But this is what took him to that different level from being producer, actor, director of TV into director of major motion pictures. And looking back at the box office for this, too, it did okay. But yeah. I think now this type of movie might do a little bit better. I don't know what the marketing was back then for it, but I think just gross, it only grossed like $169 million. 
um, overall. Yeah. So it seems like it's become more of a cult classic. Again, like so many comedies do, right? You appreciate it way after the fact. Sure. And you go back and look like, oh, wow, this is a really funny, funny film. But just like what you were saying, Jim, so many different types of comedy, gross humor. There were moments because I'm watching it downstairs for the first time. So I'm experiencing some of these things for the first time, just like the food poisoning part. And Alex, my wife, is upstairs and I am cackling. Like I am ruffling <laughs> down downstairs of you hear oh my god no way oh like those are my reactions but it's in the moment because it's hilarious because you think we've all had food poisoning and we've all been in these some of these moments not necessarily to that extreme it's and you you it was relatable in so many ways like like you said about my Rudolph's character the everyday person and how she just wants to get married and all these other things keep happening around her especially to her maid of honor so I just appreciated the comedy put into this and I think it was a great first film for Paul Feig I mean he's directed some really funny films I know there people have their own thoughts on Ghostbusters and everything like that but he did what he was supposed to do with that movie I think um, but if anything I just appreciate Kristen Wiig's character I just think she's so beautiful um, and not just about looks but her comedic timing just adds on to the person that she is and her writing as well because she had a role in this too and making this film happen is not just an actress but as being a, being a role player in making this film happen too so there's so many of those types of things and there'll be so much more for us to discuss as well but just i i really did enjoy that yeah my my harrowing part of this movie is Kristen wig because if you followed her on snl at all you knew that she was a great character actress yes i mean just mm-hmm. a tremendous uh character actor and so to to see her play it straight air quotes for radio yep and still be as funny, if not more so, because she's so relatable. The situations, are, you know, you can remember your friend told you a story about that, you know, sounds like that or whatever. Uh, but she does all of that, and she's on that roller coaster of things are great, things are not so good, things are horrible, things are coming back. Oh no, things are bad again, and all. That, and she hits on every one of those. She hits all those notes. Yeah, yeah, and and she does it in such a way that's not over the top. Mm-hmm. Right, like if anybody's over the top in this movie, it's Melissa McCarthy. Oh yeah, and I would actually say she steals the show every time. Oh, she's totally. on, every time she's on the on the screen. Yep. Which I think is what uh, Paul Feig, like you know, they had a relationship. Man, the, the Spy is hilarious. If you've never seen Spy, you got to go watch it. It's it is awesome. the best Melissa McCarthy star. Yes. You know, vehicle there has been. She's For done sure. a lot of lousy movies. Yes. That is a fantastic one. It is really really funny, and so the heat, of course, together. Sandra Bullock is great too. So those are his, but. My, I guess my point is that Kristen Wiig didn't just do what a lot of, unfortunately, SNL stars do, where they're great on sketch comedy, they're great on this and that, because they can go over the top, because that's the point for five or six minutes, is to go ridiculous, or whatever, and then they go to like a feature film, and it doesn't hit, it doesn't land the same. Right. She goes the opposite way. She hits on every single note. And I don't know if it's because she helped write the film. I don't know if it's because she's just that great of an actor. I don't know what the reason is. But either way, I was laughing, even though I've seen it multiple times, I was still (laughs) laughing at all these different beats. And she brought that out. Yeah. Kristen Wiig uh, is the architect of her own destruction throughout this (laughs) film, right? So uh, she's competing for the attention of her longtime best friend, with Rose Byrne's character, Helen, who is, you know, she's rich, she's witty, she's beautiful. And all of a sudden, Kristen Wiig feels she needs to compete against this <laughs> new enemy. And every time she does it, you know, like, oh, no, don't do it. Don't do it. Don't grab the microphone back. Don't try to <laughs> top her. Don't, no, don't do it. And she does it. 
and delivers every single time. So uh, I love the fact that she wrote a character that can screw up over and over, not learn any better, you know, throughout the whole movie until the very end. And who is the sage bit of wisdom but Melissa McCarthy? Right. You know, <laughs> Melissa McCarthy's Megan comes over and beats her up and they, they fight. And then she gets her point across that you can pick yourself up and do better. And, you know, it. I didn't see that coming from that character. And, you know, and then you have this tremendous redemption at the end of the movie is capped off with a Wilson Phillips song. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. Well, Melissa McCarthy, too, is I didn't realize until afterward, too, that it was just the scene with her and the air marshal. Uh, that's actually yes. her husband. Yes. <laughs> that yep. I, I, it didn't click then because I just didn't know that already. So the, the chemistry there was fantastic. And then obviously the, the post scene where it's them with a video camera yeah. and experimenting. <laughs> but the, the, all the scenes on the, on the plane are what got me because all these little side things are happening. Another thing too, the Wendy McLennan Covey, who from the Goldbergs, but has yep. a, oh, yes. a role here. And then Ellie Kemper uh, as well, where they're experimenting <laughs> with each other a little yes. bit too. Like those, all these different side p- things that are happening, just adding to the comedy of what's already taking place. Yes. So, I, yeah, yeah and, that's and what I appreciate. don't forget Rebel Wilson in a pre-pitch perfect role right. as, the, as the roommate. Or she's hilarious always. The unwanted roommate. And yeah, I mean, so there's this like, okay, we're getting a hint of, of all these characters that are going to be, uh, these actors are going to come into their own in their own way, but we're seeing them just on the cusp in this film. And I love that. And there's, it's such an A-list cast, right? I mean, you mentioned Mile Rudolph, obviously, and all these other great actors, but... You know, to me, like John Hamson, and we haven't even mentioned him yet. Right. And, you know, he's the protagonist, if you will. I mean, I know what that Kristen Wiig's character is yeah. kind of both. But, but you know, he's the he's the protagonist for the male protagonist. And so he's great at that role. Like, he really leaned into that. He did. So everything. And then the cop, which I don't even know his name. I got Chris probably, O'Dowd, probably the thank actor. You. Yeah, thank you. He was great. And played that every man that always kind of... Nice, nice guys guy. finish last. The nice guy, the, yeah. He plays the nice guys finish last yeah. card very, very well. It's, but even he has enough. Like at point, and I like that right. too. Even he's like, you know what? Forget you. Forget it. Right? I, no, yeah. I'm done. Right. I'm done. I'm not going to keep right. fighting for you if you're going to keep doing this to yourself. That's right. Type of thing. Right. So I'm glad that that type of interaction happened too. I will say this though. This there are moments in this movie, and you kind of alluded to this earlier, Jim. But there are moments in this movie that were very hard for me to watch because I can't. I have a very hard time with awkward scenes. My wife can't watch them at all if I believe they're real. Like if you if you again if you've if taken you, me out of the show or the movie it. then I'm like okay whatever but if I if I'm immersed in the characters I have some sort of attached like relatability to them and I believe that it's real even for a second it's very hard for me to watch awkward scenes there's a there's an episode of The Office where Michael Scott says he's going to donate he's going to pay for all these kids scholarships <laughs> like go to college they're all in elementary school if you graduate high school I'm paying for everyone your I'm paying for everyone your everyone you go to college and. The time has come where he has to go back to the school and tell them he's not actually going to do that, and I can't watch it. I've watched it one time. I will never watch that episode again. It's too painful. So some, not everything, of course, but some of this movie is very hard for me because it's she puts herself, Kristen Wiig's character, puts herself in such awkward positions. It's so embarrassing. And you're right, and it's it's too cringy almost. Did, I can't did, handle. Did you actually eat at a Brazilian restaurant sometime? No, not that. Oh no. Did you try on wedding dresses and then poop in them? No. Throw up. No. Poop in the sink. No. 
Okay, poop in the street? No. Okay. But Just want to clear that up. Crash through a cake? They're, no, but they're relatable enough <laughs> to where I, I either put myself into that situation yeah. or I feel genuinely feel for the character oh, totally. on screen and I it, my heart's broken for them. And so it's it's very moments in that in this movie. Very very hard for me to watch. You want to you want to shake a character and say, "Don't do this." Like Melissa McCarthy finally did. Exactly. (laughs) But how difficult is that, guys? Though how difficult is that in a comedy to do? It's not. We're not talking about a drama. A walk in the clouds or what? Some other random movie you want to make? We're not talking about that. It's a comedy, and yet you're still rooting for, and also. Like you just want to reach in and slap that character senseless because you're like, what are you doing? I think it's kind of a Paul Feig specialty, yeah. And the balance, and I mean, he's done like ro- romantic comedy as well. Like Last Christmas is well, I mean, an interesting romantic comedy. Sure, That's where you're feeling for the characters, and then all of a sudden you have this twist that just comes up. But, but I wouldn't but, say you. I wouldn't say I felt that in Spy, and I wouldn't say mm-hmm. I felt that in The Heat. I wasn't like rooting for those characters. I'm like, okay, I'm here for the ride. Well, different kind of comedies, yeah, but you still start to feel for them. Yeah. In the situation yeah. they put themselves into, it's like, oh man, I hate that for them. I didn't have that awkward yeah. sense in those films. I guess is what I'm saying. Well, sure. that's fair, but it depends I, on the, the the actresses too. I think the, I think a comedy that has heart hits funnier. Yeah. Okay. Yes, I agree with that. All right. So if it's all slapstick and it's all goofiness, uh, there's no heart. You you're not invested. So you and this movie totally brings you in. And you see Kristen Wiig hit rock bottom. I mean, just look at her car and the scenes, all the scenes (laughs) of this crap hole of a, of a, I don't even know how old that car is and how embarrassing it is for her to drive it up to, you know, a valet and then, you know, for it to not start when she's trying to get away from a situation. There's like, there's so many things in this that you can relate to and just totally, uh, I think, root for her success. I will get vulnerable here for a second, and Bradford, I'm going to use you as an example. Oh, boy. So there, I think a lot of these are relatable is in the sense that you know that Helen, well, I shouldn't say you know. You assume that the Helen character is just mooching off of the best ideas from everybody and then putting together this big grandiose plan yep. for, for, for Lil, right? So my Rudolph's character. So that, but that's a thing I think that a lot of us can relate to, right? Like where... You are Kristen Wiig's character, yeah. and you're like, but that's my best friend. That you're, like, it's a it's a competition without being a competition, right? right. I here's my being vulnerable. Oh, I have never said to Bradford that or anybody because I'm not, but I've never said I'm competing with our our our, our mutual friend Gumpy. I've never said that. Okay, yep. but when I get a picture on Facebook that Gumpy and Bradford are on vacation together, like their families, like they're and their wives, are, right? It's like, wait a minute, I wasn't invited, but I'm—he's my best friend, so why wasn't I invited at least? And then you start to realize that oh, it's because real life is like I have a kid and the family, and you know they're just starting out, and all that. so they have sure. more free time, and you know, so it all makes sense without having to even bring it yeah, up. Invited next time, damn. See, he doesn't even know I'm about to say that. So. <laughs> My point is, is that th- these types of situation with friends, the the friend dynamic, is very relatable to I very think a real. lot of people. Yeah. Where you're like, okay, well, I, I can see it. that's that that that's painful for her because I can see that because I, in my own life I've experienced this over here. Or yep. we all know those people who are just cool with people because they're they're important. They're not really right. cool people, but they're cool because they're important, and therefore you want to be around them. And that kind of that kind of stuff is a that's a pet peeve of mine. I cannot stand political friendships air quotes for radio i cannot stand sure. that if you're not real get out 
Right. So it's a long-winded way of saying this movie hits on a lot of different chords, strikes a lot of different chords, and that's one of them is that it's relatable to me to watch that friend dynamic because you're rooting for Kristen Wiig's character, but then you're also like, you're shooting yourself in the foot here. You're not exactly setting yourself up for success. (laughs) Kind of like Rhodes when after they do hook up, he goes out and he gets all the baking supplies and everything like that to where it is a truly nice gesture, but you're going... How is she going to take this? Right. Because this is a real situation. How many sure. times has has someone done something really nice, but they- With no strings attached. With no strings attached, but, but they it doesn't hit right because of the situation that the other person is in mentally, where they're at as well. It just doesn't hit the way you expected it to, yeah. by no fault of anybody, right. but it just completely misses because he meant everything good by it. But he went too far with that because of where she was at as well. So this is one of my little things that not necessarily negative, but yeah. something that I wish would have been wrapped up a little bit more in this film was showing her just a little bit more. And I know it's more of a trope, but seeing her get back into baking more, not just baking the cake for him or anything like that, oh, I but see. just something of restarting, not having her shop open again, but just restarting, finding uh, that passion. They could have done, the passion they could have done in credits of them baking together and it was something that. Yes. It solved it. Something to mm-hmm. kind of wrap that That's up with a, a little point. bow on it. Because again, it's not a negative. It's not a huge thing, but just to show that, yeah, she baked him a cake and she did some other stuff, but it's it's her getting that passion back of even if it was like, yeah, like you said, bake, them baking together where they're ha- playful in the kitchen. It doesn't have to be a full scene. It nope. could be during the credits where they're having fun baking together to kind of bring that up more than anything else. That's one of those little things. Sure. Itty bitty. I agree with that. <laughs> yeah, I agree with I'll, that. I'll agree with that as well. She's having throwaway relationships. Right, right. Because uh, the failed business partner with the bakery uh, has damaged her so much. Right. And yeah, so there's, yeah, it's just like one hit after another. It's actually a very interesting, now you say that, I kind of put it together. It's a very interesting psychological film. Yeah. I don't know if they meant to do that or if that just naturally gets down to that. But for me, it's like the there, there's so many psychological turns to it. Like, as you mentioned, like the, the, the business failed. And so therefore she then has a domino effect to where she not she can't pay bills and she gets a part time job and all, you know all that that's fine but I'm saying like the domino effect psychologically of like well her her business fails so she doesn't feel good about herself so therefore she goes to this bad relationship that's not even really a relationship and then right. she you know and then she, from there she she's not in a position to be the bride's or the, uh, the maid of honor in her best friend's wedding because she doesn't have the money to do it so she's trying to find all these budget options but then of course naturally in good comedy there's a complete contrast to the same party <laughs> who can afford to throw all these lavish things and that makes her feel even worse and then it just goes it just domino effects from there i think that's a very interesting thing that i didn't even think about until right now but maybe that's a given so we have annie's failed business which is also a failed relationship that leads her to the next job of working in a jewelry store where people are in love but no She's down on love. That's sweet. You guys love each other, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's sweet. That will go away. <laughs> you cannot trust anybody ever. Especially someone you're in a relationship with, you know? Because they're living with you. You don't know who you're sleeping next to. It is scary. <laughs> uh, shoot herself in the foot again. It, and it informs like every life decision, especially with, with men, from that point on. It, it truly does. And if anything, you we're talking about heart. It just came to me about comedies that have heart, that have some sort of other 
like what makes it feel you feel something more to it. And correct me if I'm wrong, because I, I feel this. Tommy Boy has heart. Tommy yeah. Boy does have heart because about the workers and about to lose their job. Tommy with the loss of his father and everything. I think it's it's a great comedy. I mean, it's sure. so cool and everything. But that to just draw the audience more even more in about heart that it's not just slapstick. There's plenty of slapstick in it, but there's also a reason behind it. There's heart. Just so, so just like bridesmaids, there's heart in it. And I think it's so relatable mm-hmm. and the heart of what she's going through and so many people having to go through. That. And I almost think it was like ahead of its time in terms of actually dealing with. Mental instability and the tra- and trauma and everything like that of actually bringing that to light and dealing with it as a comedy. Bridesmaids, I think, especially over a decade ago, you didn't have as many movies dealing with that that could be hits, especially with an all-star cast now and dealing with some of these things that she's dealing with and have it hit as much as it might even hit even more now because it's still even more relatable with all the trauma right. that so many people are going through that are willing to talk about it now as well. And how rare a female lead character yes. doing that job and doing it well yes and a female supporting cast yeah. absolutely i mean it's a this is a this is a air quotes radio chick flick so to speak because it's i mean most of the people that i know that went and saw it were women right okay because it was it spoke to them and this and that and that's great but that doesn't mean that it's only for women it's a, it's a right. hilarious movie it's universal and, and I, but i will say though to your point though justin is that I think if it were to come out, let's say in 2023, it would be looked like it was not forced because again, it's great. But it would be looked. It would look like that was the point, was to have a have a mental health message or something. Right, packaged. Well, right, it would change movie. a little bit too, for sure. Right, but now. I, but what I'm saying though is it's almost better that it came out when that wasn't oh, top totally, of mind. Yeah. It wasn't this whole big issue. It mm-hmm. wasn't. I mean, it was an issue, but I'm saying it wasn't like. You know, like in news, it, you know, it wasn't media discussed. everywhere. Yeah, it wasn't yeah. highly discussed. It wasn't a message movie. Uh, yeah, it wasn't a pamphlet of the week TV show. Where it was like, relatable. Okay, this week we're going to talk about you know, right. you know, mental health, and it just was a natural part of the story. And that's always makes always makes it stronger. Totally, one hundred percent. Always, I agree. Should we go around the room? We shall. Mm-hmm. Let's give this movie bridesmaids a score. What is your score, Justin? Why are you coming to me first? Fine, I'll go first. Okay. Uh, (laughs) Twist my arm twice. Seven and a half for me. 7.5. I I really enjoyed the movie. I thought it was really, really great. It's not a perfect movie by any means, but it's still hilarious. It's highly rewatchable. It's relatable. The characters were great. And there's just so many things I really, really liked about it. But again, how high can you really give us uh, a a comedy? I I mean, really. So- Obviously, out of all of us, I think Gover overall, though, it takes a lot for him to get anything above an eight. I better get something out of the film. Like, yeah, like, yeah. and that's okay. That's, everyone has our personal rating scales because I think you're gonna, what you're going to almost have to have is a scale of like, well, Justin's sure. this is similar to a Gover this, Everybody's and a Jim scale. this is similar to a, a translation. Gover. Yeah, almost a translation tool. Yeah. Like you would put a, mar- a, a marking layover, you know, for inches to centimeters. <laughs> the metric system. <laughs> I just want to put it because it is because it is funny. Like seven point five is pretty good for Gover. Like that's pretty darn good, especially for a comedy as well. It's, pretty, it's yeah. I mean, I I can't think of a nine or a ten comedy. See, and that's why head. I wanted I to address think of that. that. Okay, that's why I wanted to. So address. it's very meaningful. I am gonna up it, and I'm gonna give this movie an eight. A Jim eight is pretty good, especially for a comedy, and it's because it is a comedy with heart. 
with characters I care about. No, it's not the perfect film. There's a lot of gags. I mean, but <laughs> there's so much underpinning to it that it has it has weight beneath the goofy stuff mm -hmm. that I will give it an eight. And for me, Justin, I'm giving it an eight as well. And the way that I'm rating movies is how enjoyable it was for me, what I think of as a film, not comparing it to others uh, as well. But it's eight because it has heart, made me laugh out loud multiple times, uh, made you care about the characters uh, overall to where you really felt for the characters. You felt what they were going through. You cheered them on. You're going, oh, don't do that. You actually feel like you're communicating even through your head uh, with these characters. You want them to end up doing well, and you want the happy ending of some form or fashion. You cheer for Rhodes. You want him to do well because he seems genuinely like a good person that yep. is wants the best uh, for Kristen Wiig's character as well, too. So all those things together make it an eight for me, which I think just oh, it's a good movie. Like, it is a really good comedy movie with more than just comedic moments, but something that I think has rewatchability because of the comedy, but also because it has heart, makes you feel something. You can end the movie with a smile. I mean, it's hard to not end it with a smile with, with the song at the <laughs> end, too. So, <laughs> Wilson Phillips, come on. <laughs> Jimmy, I believe you have this week's question, and I'm actually really nervous about this one because you, off air in our little text chain that we yeah. have uh, called Movie Dudes in my phone, uh, we, <laughs> you said you had a good one and you've been hyping it up all week. And so I'm very, very excited, but also nervous to hear this. What is your question for us this week, sir? All right. Uh, do you want the slam dunk or Ooh. do you want the weirdest one first? Now, I'm going to save the weird one. No, yeah, save the weird one for last. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm yeah. going to go. This is a slam dunk. I, uh, if any of you disagree with me, I shall fight you. Well, wait, what's the question? Uh, what's the question? The yeah. question is <laughs> that would let's, help. Let's wouldn't not it? get ahead to the fighting. That would help. Yeah. He's ready to roll. <laughs> Name the sequel that is better than the original movie that spawned it. Okay, mm. so I mean, it could be two or three. If if it was a franchise that ended up making six of them, it could be one of the later ones. But Pirates would, of the Caribbean is what you're saying. Yeah, if you like the sixth one best, right. that would if count. If you want to go that route, I stuck or. with <laughs> the second movie made. Great. Okay? okay, but you guys can go any way you want. But it's fair game. Here it is: Terminator Two, Judgment Day. Okay. Oh, that's a great one. Yeah, that's it, a good one. Terminator, fantastic movie, low budget. Early James Cameron. And some bad acting, I And might some add. really bad acting, <laughs> okay? But an amazing movie. Terminator 2 Judgment Day is that franchise to perfection, okay? You've got uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger switching from villain to... Which he was in the first in film. The mm -hmm. first one. It's important to know that. Yes. Spoiler alert. He becomes <laughs> the good guy. If you haven't seen it by now, in, I don't yeah, want to hear exactly. about it. If you haven't in the last 30 years, turn this out. <laughs> um, so, yeah. I mean, so we have a role reversal of uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger. We have a new villain in the, the metal, you know, next version of the Terminators. And you have Sarah Connor, who has gone from this, like, really nightclub, denzel in distress, doesn't know squat role into badass woman, mm -hmm. okay? She has become, you know, the leader of the movement. She has, you know, been, like, hardened and steeled by all the horrible things that happened in the first Terminator and since then and has become a completely different character, one that leads the movie. So I absolutely think Terminator 2, Judgment Day, is way better than the original. Robert Patrick, by the way, is the 
metal. Yeah, the metal. Yeah. I just want to make sure that he gets his credit because he yes. probably doesn't have a whole lot else. I know. He so. had a little X-Men stuff. Yeah. But yeah but, that was about it. Yeah. So I want to make sure you give him his due. Okay. All right. Uh, <laughs> like, like he's going to get a royalty for us mentioning he's, it. Yeah, he's going to listen. And I just want right, to make sure uh, he feels good about us just not glossing over his name. <laughs> Justin Bradford, tell us a sequel that was better than the original. So this is what saved this. This is Marvel. People are going to roll their eyes. Uh, but this is what saved one of the superheroes as a franchise, and that is Thor Ragnarok. Okay. All right. That's an I interesting choice. Definitely. Because you think of the first two Thor films especially Dark World was just god-awful until Marvel's like, you need to go watch Dark World so this movie makes sense. Like, uh. So Ragnarok, Taika Waititi reinvigorated Thor as a character in that franchise by doing having the crossover. In perfectly, terms of, by the way. Ha- yes, perfectly. The soundtrack as well. Fantastic use of classic rock music in it as well. Yes. Um, leading up into the, the end of Phase 3, with Infinity War as well too, but it reinvigorated Thor as a character. The the interactions between him and Loki were fantastic in Ragnarok as well. And you bring Jeff Goldblum into the mix. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> too, then you have so. something. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And uh, I heard Chris Hemsworth would not do the movie if it didn't take a lighter turn. Yeah. So I respect him, and Taika Waititi did a fantastic job of making that a fun character yes. instead of a self-serious character. Yes, make Thor fun because when you have the the the, the Kenneth Branagh versions, yeah. mm-hmm. they weren't as fun. I mean, they're, and it was bad. I mean, Dark World is really bad, but the, even the first one is like, okay, we're getting an introduction to Thor, but it still wasn't that good. It gets a, it's a, it's mid. It's True. mid for me. When you compare it to so many other origin stories and so yeah. many other Marvel films, for me, it's mid. So Ragnarok reinvigorated Thor as a character because now Chris Hemsworth is like, I'll be Thor however long you want me to be Thor. <laughs> exactly. So I like that. Thank good, you. good choice, Justin. Jeremy, Thank you, you, you got to tell us the movie that's better than the original. Well, in my in in, in my assumption, I'm going to say nothing that shocks anybody right here, and that's Empire Strikes Back. Well, that was my number two. It's I was my favorite for that. Yeah, yeah, it's my favorite. Uh, I'm actually surprised you guys didn't lead with it. Uh, Why would I lead with it? I would let you have it. Well, I appreciate that. Thank you so <laughs> I didn't much, lead with it because I don't agree. But go ahead. Oh, <laughs> oh, <laughs> controversy. <laughs> All right, so Empire Strikes okay. Back is is my favorite Star Wars film of the entire saga. Rogue One, Revenge of the Sith, those are up there, but Empire Strikes Back is is uncontested in my opinion, and therefore by default, it's better than A New Hope, which is the of course Episode Four, which was the first movie. Okay, so let me before Jim strikes <laughs> back. <ahead>. Yes. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Can we take that what? out? Uh, five no, points. Do not take that. Let's take that five out. Five points to <laughs> Justin Bradford. That was, for, uh, and that you was, reached for that, too. Yeah, that oh, was yeah. the crazy thing. You, go ahead. Yeah. I did, didn't hit me until <laughs> it hit me. Go ahead. <laughs> Unlike when a stormtrooper fires. All right. Okay. <laughs> Bad Let's aim. get back on track. <laughs> yes. This is still Star Wars. What between A New Hope mm-hmm. and Empire Strikes Back changed to make it that much better? Nothing. It was a darker story. Okay, I tend to okay. gravitate towards darker. It wasn't ha- so having more Vader in it then too, and have we, that's no. when you first get. So I'm bringing music into this. That's when you first get Imperial no, March. Sure. It's one of the most iconic pieces. <laughs> I agree. Yeah, it's so just don't roll predi- your it's eyes. Just predictable dang it. as a, music. Think, the, it's it's so well known. That that's it. when it comes in. Everyone thinks it's no a, doubt covered it once. That's truly okay. Okay, they opened See, the, they opened that's the concert how big of a deal it is. The band, Imperial no March. doubt. Yeah, covered. The they opened the show. That's how big of a deal it is when you have a crossover wow. like that. But people associate that with Star Wars, 
but it's not from the first one. It's right. from the second one. That's right. what amps That's up a good point. the sequel. I'm That's trying to point. agree with you by That's adding to the argument. My point is that there, <laughs> I, I tend to appreciate darker movies, non-happy ending movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, Road to Perdition is one of my favorite films. Because it's just so dark and so like it's just. You're also uh, wearing black, gray, and black. Well, there's and also black, that. black. <laughs> Thank you for the for the radio <laughs> <at> home. <laughs> for those of you that need it, describe my uh, wardrobe. Yes, it's dark. Uh, so I, I for the I, police. I don't like. Uh, I don't like happy endings. I think they're too cheesy. They're sometimes. Too expensive. Empire Strikes Back accomplishes both, right? Sure. Obviously, you have this big twist. Okay, I don't need to even <laughs> go into that. That's it's given. It's a given. <laughs> but the story is darker. The, the 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 angle of the, of the film is darker and it does leave you wanting more which usually sequels are like we're gonna close up a couple of loopholes here and then we're gonna cash grab the third one because it ends with a question mark it right. does yes I mean it's it's Han Solo and Carbonite what's gonna happen yes yeah I I am there's no complete coda right Empire Strikes Back is my number one and I think it's I, I it's the when I get asked this question out in real life, the very first thing you know, people say Godfather two, and I don't want sure. I don't want to jump ahead or anything if you guys valid. have that. But Empire Strikes Back is the first one that comes to mind every it, time. It's better directed, I'll tell you that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, when you have George Lucas, he is not a great director. That's true. He's a creator. He's a great creator. But he needed to direct that first one to he get did. the franchise off. Nobody needed nope. to have Kirshner come in. And I agree. It. Yeah, nobody would have understood what he was going for unless he made that movie. That's right. But then you put it in the hands of a better director. And uh, I, and I will give you that 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 movie is more solid. And I think everything I say about Star Wars being better than Empire Strikes Back is a sentimental thing because I saw it in the theaters. And That's fair. I had to, you know, it it was all I it changed lived cinema for years. Yeah. Until the till Empire Strikes Back came yes. out, so it had longer to cement itself into in, as like the sentimental favorite. I fair. agree with that. Okay. Toy Story Two. Really? Ooh. Toy Story 2. Ooh. Toy Story is a great movie. We wouldn't have, I mean, who would want Toy Story 2 without that fantastic movie, you know? But I think Toy Story mm. 2 kind of leveled up a little bit, gave us a little more complicated characters and situations, and I think it's a little more nuanced. Where mm. I, I think you could almost say it's darker like The Empire Strikes Back. So I'm going to piggyback on this to continue the discussion because yes. one of mine was Toy Story 3. Just no you, you way. nailed it as far as drama level. No Darker. Way. Yes. Because in terms of you're growing up with this and you are getting a true emotional situation and it's darker, you're getting attached to these characters and having to overcome something major as well with the characters. That Because when you think of Toy Story in terms of when it should have ended, everyone's like, well, Toy Story 3 gives everything we needed. You should have ended the fr- you should have ended the movie franchise like that right then instead of having more and more and more. That's why I choose that as well because I like Toy Story two and I almost went that direction, Jim. I almost went that okay. direction, so I wanted to piggyback on that because we have two different Toy Story versions. Okay, well, you well. know what? You just changed my mind. Oh. All right, because oh. now I'm starting to remember being in the theater and seeing everybody gripping the sides of their seats and. They can't Arm. let this happen. They can't let this happen. Right. Like they are, they, you know, they're, they're sliding, you mm-hmm. know, into that thing, you know, the, the, to their ultimate doom, you think. And, and you, the entire theater was on edge more than I've seen for like horror movies or suspense movies. So you totally won me over. Oh, Toy wow. Story 3 huh. is on my list. Toy Story 2, out. Wow. I am 
shocked by this development. <laughs> by the wow. way, I, I didn't expect that to happen. I'm not shocked that that yours is Toy Story. I want to make sure that's very clear for everybody. I'm not shocked that like like no way, as in like that movie sucked. I'm not saying that. I'm right. just saying right, that right, right. I can't believe that there were two Toy Story examples in the in the same room. It was a little weird. I gotta admit. Yeah. I, so I, when you said that, went, oh. yeah. <laughs> you know, when I thought of the question, what? I thought it was gonna be an island. Okay, I really did. I did. Well, okay. But, well, speaking of islands, I'll get to one. Okay. Shrek two. Oh, okay. Jerry K. Gover says Shrek two. I say Shrek two because when I saw the first one, there was a lot of hype around it. Mike Myers obviously is a huge star at the time. Eddie Murphy's attached to it. Cameron Diaz is like at her peak after Mask and all that. Mm -hmm. So, and I think something about Mary, I think, was around that time too. So you had like everybody, all the three leads were on the top of the world, depending on what segment of the audience you're in, right? So I thought, well, this is going to be great, and it was okay. You know, just a couple moments, whatever. Okay. But this, but so when I went to see the second one, I only saw it because my roommates at the time, Lance and Lisa, shout out to Lance and Lisa, they are listening. Uh, Lance and Lisa wanted to go see it because they loved the first one, and I was like, yeah, we'll go hang out. That's fine. Sure. I'll go, I go to the fine. Never again. I, I every excuse to go to the theater, no problem. You know. So we went, and it was hilarious. It was like they had discovered who the characters were through the first one, mm-hmm. and then perfected yeah. them in the second one. Quick side note. Bradford, I know you'll you'll uh, you'll agree with me on this. The Golden Girls is one of the best sitcoms of all time, correct? Yeah. Okay. If you go back and watch the first season, there's a lot of ironing out who the characters are early on. Oh, yeah. And then in the yeah. second season, it's just hit the ground running. They discover in Shrek two, they discover what they could do and accomplish, and also opened up the fantasy world. Of and they already and they already taken well. they had the equity. For the most part, a good film shouldn't necessarily do shouldn't take advantage of this, but they have the equity of establishing all the character arcs, uh, character arcs, all the character personalities in the first one. Right. They didn't have to waste time, air quotes for radio, okay, to do that in the second one. And they got right to the jokes, and they were hilarious. We need it was no origin so much story. Better. Let's just right. hit the ground it running. It was so much better. An introduction of new characters like Puss in Boots. Yes, comes right. into play. Which Antonio is Mendes. still having films. Right. By the way, it's 2022. The, the spinoff. Is yeah. Still, yeah. yeah. Still My point money. is, it's still relevant. I have to. This is Jim, and I say uh, that is a terrible choice. I think what I <laughs> I wish I could get my money back. I can't believe Shrek Two. Shrek Two. They made a slow white Bronco OJ joke. I mean, that was just so. Bad. No one's saying it's a perfect movie. We're it's, saying it's better oh, than the first one. No, That's the question. No. <laughs> I'm saying the first one was all right. The second one. So you're one, just not a Shrek fan. Uh, it was all right. It, okay. But the, the second I one. I swear to God, if Revenge oh of the Nerds God. is on your list, we're going to have a. I was looking at my watch the whole time. When is this thing going to be over? Really? Okay. This is a legit question. Who did you go with to the first one? Did you go with family? Like, I'm trying family to. Fly solo? Family the first time, a second time, extended family. So what brother did they and his of, kids. Okay, what did the kids think of it? And, everything? Uh, and was that infectious? They liked everything they saw. Okay. They had no I taste. I love that. They have no taste. Uh, <laughs> the rest of us adults were like, mm, So even the other adults did not care yeah, for it as much. Nope. Do you think it's become wow. more of a, because what I see on TikTok now is Shrek stuff still, like the giant Shrek dancing like mm-hmm. Shrek, sexy dancing, like Shrek's still relevant in pop culture well, sure. to people that were not even old enough to watch when it first came out. For instance, I was working in Special Olympics Tennessee opening ceremonies, and one of my coworkers had her son, who was just under two years old, watching the first Shrek on a phone. Okay, 
very different. It's still like, and it's still so it still has relevant pow- carrying with with what it does as a as an animated film because it's just fun. So I guess the question is, is it because you saw it as an adult and not as a younger person? And or is a two year old just going to be fascinated by any bright shiny object in front of them, whether it's a phone or a screen? And, and, it, is, and it is it is animate. It's visually entertaining. If you right, don't, yes. if you're that young and don't understand what's going on, mm-hmm. it's kind of like the Chris Farley Chippendale sketch on SNL. <laughs> if you put that up on mute, it's still hilarious. <laughs> so I think, you don't need to know context. So I think with Shrek, it's one of those things that, like you just said, it's visually stunning, has lots of jokes to hopefully have that balance for adults and children I and just, everything too. I'm sorry, you guys. It's a, this is this is a. I will not give up. I'll not die on this hill. No, no, no. no. I'm okay, I'm okay nothing, with it. I know you are, but yeah. this over here. There's nothing I enjoy more than being passionate about the stupidest things. <laughs> Shrek. Okay? All right? So I'm going to do that. Better out than in, I always say. I will die on the dumbest hill you can find. Okay. And I say Shrek 2, piece of crap. Okay. <laughs> Fair enough. Then I can't wait to hear your third one, Jim. What is it? Yeah, this is one we've been waiting for. All right. This better be good. Uh, I'm going to blast am, my Shrek 2 and then give me no, I'm gonna, trot I'm out I'm garbage. Actually, I'm going to hit you with the art house stuff. Oh. So you haven't. Uh, you might not even have you, any ammunition. You have my interest. Okay. All right. So it's the movie Before Midnight starring Ethan Hawke and Julie Delvey. For anybody who hasn't seen them, it's a sequel to the movie Before Sunrise, which is the story of a young guy and a girl who meet in France and like by sunrise they're both leaving town and it's the night they spend so it's it's a romantic film but you know just by the title and just by as soon as you're five minutes in they're not going to see each other at the end of this thing okay so it's it's that good of a movie of a romance that you know you're you're watching this is a this is acknowledged as a very good film right before midnight is seven years later they meet up, but also with a time frame, an ending, so that they can't, you know, before midnight, you know, there's not going to be a happily ever after. Seven years later, same two people. So not only have the actors stayed the same, they've aged the seven years, they've come back together mm. to show you what it's like at a different stage in life if they happen to meet up and what's happened since those things. So uh, it's, it's a romantic movie. It's not really a romantic comedy, but it will, I think, enchant you. But you definitely got to see them in order. Was okay. that the plan all along for them to have a sequel that far out and plan that with the actors? Do you I, think it was even discussed? I wish I knew, but I will tell you this. They did make a third movie seven years later that finished out the trilogy. Same actors. They wrote a lot of the second and third movie because they knew these characters and where they would go. And so just like the the romantic characters, they as actors are coming in and helping to write what the next chapter is. That's it. It was a 14-year project? Yes. Wow. We're getting Ethan Hawke on the show. That's impressive. We're going to ask him about this. Or Delpy. Yeah. So, uh, you know, before sunrise, see the first one. Okay. Uh, I think you'll really like it. Uh, And the second one was even better. I Justin, like that a lot. Can you follow that? That's the question. Hell no, I can't. <laughs> <laughs> Every once in a while, I can pull one out of something. Okay, so I have I have a slew that I thought of, obviously, and Price Strikes Back was on there uh-huh. for me as well. Yeah. I, I could argue, obviously, Dark Knight 
with where that went with goes with the joke and everything as well i already discussed toy story 3 spider-man 2 i think just with the 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 subway train above ground scene right there could just nail it but i'm going to go with john wick chapter 3 Outside the box. I was okay. trying to go outside All the right. box. Now, like, I'm, I'm a casual John Wick viewer. So, uh, to me, like, they all have it's Keanu Reeves on a motorcycle on a rampage, mm-hmm. you know, just killing a bunch of guys. And I like it. Right. But I tell me why three. <laughs> Is different because it just takes us so far above and beyond with it, <laughs> with the fight sequences, with everything, with the story as well. The the scenes with Halle Berry, the fight sequences when okay. she's using the dogs, I just <laughs> it's awesome. It is like it is captivating to me, and that's why it's an action movie. It is an action, blow it up, bang 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 type of action movie that still has a, a plot like there's still a plot with right. every single john wick film that's why i think i enjoy them instead of just other action movies because right. there's an actual means to an end with what's trying to be accomplished and there obviously there's gonna be a fourth one everything too but i really just enjoyed it and it's hard for me to argue that it's just i thought they continue to find a way to go above and beyond and even the cinematography i think it's for harder, an action harder film. to top yourself mm-hmm. in it an, does in an adrenaline movie it does right? yes. and they keep on doing that that's speed so that's sucked. why that's why maybe <laughs> yeah let's do another one but it's a boat this time Strong. <laughs> oh this is the best pitch meeting ever uh, <laughs> sandy made a really good choice on that um <laughs> but that's oh, why john what wick she 4, had to do to redeem I, herself that's why, that's why john wick 4 will probably beat out john wick 3 I mean, for some reason, they found a formula. Like we've talked about, we've talked about it so many different times. I'm sure formulas work mm-hmm. in sure. music and movies. If you find that sneaky formula, especially when you're coming to making action movies, they found a formula with the John Wick series. They really did. Plus, Counter Reeves is really cool. He is cool. He's a cool dude. He's breathtaking. He knows kung fu. <laughs> well, my number three, <laughs> I'm now self-conscious about because. <laughs> Poor Jimmy Jeremy stole my so- shine on Shrek 2. Oh, but you had, you had me in between. Because so. I, no, I appreciate that. You got a buffer, <laughs> and, and, and but, uh, I've got the, the claws are retracted. Because, so, Jeremy, well, please. Maybe for five more seconds. Okay. Because my last one is Austin Powers 2, The Spy Who Oh, my God! When I went to see I the first one, pick. when I went to see, the, oh. yeah, we'll, yeah, we'll see that sarcastic in a second. When I went oh. to see the first movie, it was the same thing. Everyone was like, "You got to go see it." Obviously, Mike Myers at the top of his career, all the same thing. Yeah. Why did two Mike? I just now noticed there's two Mike Myers movies on this. You got a problem. <laughs> so, uh, and, and it was, somebody. and again, it was okay. But the second one was. Again, if they just knew the characters now, they could really lean into the yep. jokes and the joke styles and the personalities. Like it was so funny, and I implore you if you have the DVD, and I say that on purpose because it's not on the it's not on the like the digital extras. If you have the DVD, go watch the twenty five minute deleted scenes reel. Oh, it is fifteen times funnier than an already funny movie. Oh my god! And I have not seen it in years because, I, of course, I haven't checked YouTube. It's gotta but, be on YouTube, yeah. Let's I, yeah say. But but I don't right. have the DVD, and I actually bought it on Apple, you know, like the Apple TV or whatever. You know, yeah. I bought it thinking, oh, why wouldn't it be on there? It's, it was on the DVD. It should be no. So uh, the movie's fine, but the I mean, it's all right. So number two, Austin so you're Powers. Have to hit two. our social media if you find a link to any of that. You're going to have to let us know. Yeah, hit us up. We, we need to see that. At? You can find us on Twitter at Untitled Film Project or unti- at Untitled Film Pod with the, the, 
O being a zero, just because. Oh, oh you turned it into a password? <laughs> Had to be secure, but if you type in Untitled Film Project on any social media, yeah. you're going to be able to find us. We want to hear what you think, especially because Gover and I both had some unique third takes <laughs> on this. Jimmy put us to shame on the third one. Yeah. He truly did. But we want to hear what you, because everyone's going to have an opinion on this. And again, it's not the best, it's what you think is the yeah, best. Because that's what's going to help expand our horizons as well. Because, like with what Jim just said, now I have new movies, new to me to go and watch and experience. And that's what this is supposed to be about, is us talking about things that hopefully we'll each talk about movies that we need to enjoy that we've never Discovery seen before. Discovery is fantastic, yeah. isn't it? Finding out about cool new stuff. <laughs> yeah. Well said, Justin. Discovery Junction. Wait. Let's tell everybody how they can register their disgust with our opinions <laughs> on social media. Just go on social media, whether on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, anywhere, Untitled Film Project. You can find us there. Just type that in and we're going to appear. Make sure you're subscribing to us on YouTube, on Spotify, and Jim, where else can they get us? Everywhere you podcast. Everywhere. And wherever you happen to get a podcast, if you like what you heard, share it with a friend. Please, please do that. Rate and review too, please. Thank you for listening to the Untitled Film Project podcast. To support the show, please rate, review, follow, and subscribe. Original music by Jeremy Schwartz. Special thanks to the Music City Film Critics Association. Editing and post-production by Jeremy K. Gover. Voiceover by Chad Bennett. The Untitled Film Project podcast is presented in cooperation with iHeartRadio.